Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Tomorrow is Indigenous Peoples Day in Canada. It's The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. And today we're going to discuss Indigenous people and change in the relationship with the Canadian government. We'll also talk about race, religious freedom, diversity, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia nationally. These are all issues that are definitely in need of discussion in Canada. And we have a great panel of guests to address this. Calvin Helene is the son of a British Columbia hereditary chief. He's an Indigenous lawyer. He's an author of great books, um, one you're very familiar with in his conversations on this program, Dances with Dependency. He's an entrepreneur and uh, was in British Columbia's top 40, under 40. Calvin, how are you? Very well, thank you. Thanks for agreeing to do this. It's my great pleasure. Uh, is it okay to give my uh, my dad, the hereditary chief, uh, a shout out on Father's Day? Absolutely. Uh, also, I think as Canadians, we should all be uh, we should all be uh, uh, polling for Mackenzie Hughes, who may be the first Canadian to win the uh, U.S. Open sometime later today. That's a that's a good start. And happy Father's Day to all the dads, of course. Selena Caesar Chavan is African Canadian entrepreneur, former Whitby Ontario Liberal MP, and parliamentary secretary to Justin Trudeau before deciding to sit as an independent MP following a confrontational meeting with Mr. Trudeau that Selena's talked to us about on this program. Uh, she's the author of Can You Hear Me Now? Selena, thanks for coming on on this. Thank you so much, Roy, for having. It's always a pleasure to be here. So thank you. Looking forward to this discussion. Yeah, me too. I, this is so important. Avi Benlolo, former president, CEO of the Simon Wiesenthal Center for Holocaust Studies and Human Rights activist as well. Hello, Avi. Hi, Roy. How are you? Great. Uh, happy Father's Day to all and uh, to everyone that's celebrating. It's really an honor and a pleasure to be here. Yes, sir. And Hussein Hamdani is a partner at Simpson Weigel Law Firm in Hamilton, Ontario, former member of the Hamilton Dialogue Committee made up of Muslims and Arabs and Jews and Christians. And they had uh, amazing discussions, some of them in this very studio with me. Uh, let me start, if I can, if I may, uh, with, with you, Calvin. You've written extensively about the indigenous experience in Canada. How, how would you summarize the indigenous experience and what must the rest of Canada understand about First Nations and engaging Indigenous people as full partners in the continuing development of Canada? Well, I think the, um, the first thing that, uh, that um, since we're talking about racism or part of the discussion today is about racism is to, uh, is to look at to where those, uh, where racist views come from and in relation to indigenous people we had uh, europeans coming to north america uh, at the time they came there's an estimate that there was maybe a quarter of the world's population throughout the americas we had established societies some were incredibly sophisticated um, continental trade networks and um, some people showed up and um, based on the dictates of the of the Catholic Church at that time, the papal bulls, um, if, if you arrived in somebody's uh, traditional territory, wherever it was in the Americas, 
um, as long as you planted a, a flag of your country there, informed your monarch um, that you had done so, came back and created a small settlement, you uh, the you owned their land, and um, and the basic assumption behind all of that is uh, if you weren't Christian, you, you weren't really people. And so deeply embedded in in uh, a lot of um, European culture, and and it it's kind of a natural thing, I think, that most cultures think are, are ethnocentric. They think their culture is the best, and they're standing at the top of the hill looking down on everywhere else, on, on all other cultures, uh, to the point where you know, even in the uh, the 17th century, the English referred to um, to the Irish and the Scottish as savages. So, when people came to this land, there was these, these incredible societies, and as a result of disease, what happened was 95% of our population was wiped out. Now, you consider this in in terms of COVID. COVID. Uh, in the w- worldwide, about 0.000129% of people have died from it. Imagine what would happen if 95% of your, your population died. So when most um, settlers came to the Americas, um, they judged the indigenous people by the remains of the societies, which were completely obliterated by disease. And so the views that people have of Indigenous people that are translated into racism today are views that um, that uh, they formed uh, from a completely one-sided uh, view of history and, and from a, an ethnocentric view and from the, uh, the fact that the society was wiped out. So the problem is, is that the mainstream society or dominant societies don't even know our history. Mm-hmm. And they, they, um, there's been a total unwillingness to learn about it. <clears throat> and and um, when you get a situation like the 215 um, uh, bodies or, or uh, skeletons that were found in the Kamloops residential school, it, it's really only the tip of the iceberg there were 139 such schools. Um, Murray Sinclair, the former judge, um, estimated that there are probably between 15 to 25,000, uh, 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 you know, unmarked uh, graves or mass graves throughout the 139 or so um, residential schools, and um, and it was okay just to ignore all of this. And um, if that if that was your if those were your kids or families, um, it's not okay. No, Calvin. Let me continue, then, let me come back to you on this. Um, so, so, you know, you you were the first black member of parliament for Whitby, Ontario. Successful entrepreneur, and as MP, you became the parliamentary secretary to the prime minister, who turned on you when you informed Mr. Trudeau you wouldn't be contesting the 2019 federal election. What is your experience as an African-Canadian in Canada? What was your experience as a member of parliament within the context of attempting to positively grow a multiracial, ethnically, and religiously diverse national society? 
Well, first, I, I do want to, um, you know, really underscore some of the points that Calvin brought up around Canadians not knowing our history. So when you have individuals like myself or Mumalak Kagak going at the end of their term and saying that they were scared, they they there was no security for them on the hill. There was no. Um, there was a feeling of violence um, while on the hill. That is, that is the truth that needs to be reckoned with um, before we can grow or positively grow an institution like the federal parliament. Um, I think one of the things that Canadians really under need to understand is that we didn't just get here without a long line of various atrocities that happened to people over hundreds of years to get to a point where we are really disrupting the narrative around, you know, what politicians should look like and who should feel safe. And, you know, you, you talk about positively growing, you know, communities. Myself, Mumalak Gagak went to Parliament Hill to be a voice for our communities. And what we found was the not only the institution itself um, really not representing us as as people, but the 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 players within that institution further fueling the disenfranch disenfranchisement of a member of parliament. So how do we expect our communities? to come together around our democracy, but even in, inside the institution itself, we are not welcome. I remember we the first welcome. time you said that to me uh, in our first interview, and I actually played it back later on in the evening because I wanted to hear that again, and it was so disturbing, and it's just as disturbing to hear it now and hear it again. I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back, and we'll talk to Hussein um, um, about um, about being Muslim in Canada. By the way, I introduced him, but I never said hello to you. How are you, Hussein? I'm doing well, thanks. I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks. We've been friends for so long. I just, it just, you know, <laughs> you're there. Anti-Semitism is on the rise in this country, and I see emails which, frankly, horrify me. Emails. Is Canadian society less accepting of its Jewish community in 2021? And what does the conversation among Canadians have to be about? Look, it's a good question. Firstly, I just want to acknowledge the other um, uh, panelists. I, I, I think everybody's uh, perspective is so critical. And Calvin, I, I appreciated your your vantage point tremendously. I, I think we have to do a lot more. It really brings me to tears, quite honestly, uh, what uh, our First Nations people have gone through and um, are going through. <laughs> it's not over. So, um, you know, I want you to understand and know that. And, and everyone else here on the panelists, I think everybody here uh, comes with a perspective and no one's perspective is less or more important. It's just so important for us as Canadians. And so, um, you know, uh, someone is obviously involved in, in combating anti-Semitism. Obviously, the situation has escalated. It's hard for us in the Jewish community to understand or accept or believe because, um, you know, the Jewish community has been here for many, many years, over 250 years, um, you know, and you can, you can draw, you know, the first, uh, to the first synagogue. And, and so, um, 
you know, we've been involved in every sphere of, of life and uh, in, in generosity and uh, in, in helping build this, this country uh, and have gone ourselves through many episodes, um, you know, as uh, the, the St. Louis, of course, uh, which was turned back uh, in the none is, none is too many scenarios. So um, we've gone through a lot of that, sadly, uh, in the last uh you know, two decades in, in general, anti-Semitism has been going up um, and, um, you know, around the world. And then in the last month, it's just skyrocketed here in Canada. And, um, you know, what I've repeatedly advocated for is that, look, we're Canadians. We have to try to work this out. We can't, you know, we can't live, you know, the lives of, of what's going on over overseas. We can certainly advocate for it as I do. Um, but as well, together, um, we have to find a way to coexist and, and to, to protest and advance causes respectfully. It has to happen. It can't be that, you know, Jewish people are assaulted on the street. I mean, I, you know, I haven't seen that in my entire lifetime and I grew up in this country. So it's, it's just, it's, it's quite unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so we've entered in a new arena where there's greater intolerance in our country. And I'm not just referring to, to the Jewish community. I think we're all feeling it. The Muslim community is, is feeling it. You know, we're all feeling it. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the black community, uh, first nations, obviously, like we're all feeling it. So what are we going to do about it? How do we live? How do how are we going to live in this beautiful country together? Let me what do this. I mean, let me do this because I want to hear from all four of you before we take yeah. the half hour break, and then I just want to turn it over to all of you to discuss with each other. But I before we get to the half hour, let me also ask Hussein Hamdani, uh, being Muslim in Canada, Hussein, is there a palpable presence? of anti-Muslim, anti-Islam in greater Canadian society. When you were on the air with us last weekend, you talked about growing up in Hamilton, playing lacrosse and hockey, and that resonated with a lot of listeners. What's going on? Yeah, well, well look, I, the one thing I think uh, that we all share, all of us, is that uh, as your tagline in your show is, um, proudly Canadian, right? We're all proudly Canadian, and we want the best for, for Canada. I happen to come as a refugee to Canada. I've seen other parts of the world, so... I know how great our country is. But I also mentioned on your show last time I was on, Roy, that that more Muslims have died in Canada for being Muslim than in any other country in the G7. So that, that that's not in proportionate numbers. That's in absolute terms. More Muslims have died in Canada uh, for being Muslims than in the U.S., than in the U.K., than in France. And so we have to stop and say, what's going on? And I think, you know, I, I benefit from hearing from Avi and uh, Selena and Calvin. And one of the things I can point to is when do these atrocities, why do these atrocities happen? You know, two weeks ago, a family got mowed down simply because they're Muslim. Two weeks before then, we discovered 215 um, skeletons of young children of, of the indigenous community in a residential school. A year ago, we were mourning the death of, of George Floyd. It happens when one group of people dehumanize another. When one group of people think that they're better or they're more superior um, than another group, the other group being the other, and that they feel that they can do what they want to that other group. And that's what I think all of us uh, need to come together and work against, that we're all Canadians, we all have 
uh, a right to live here free uh, in, in prosperity. Okay. And so I look forward to to talking to with my panelists about how we can move Canada positively forward. So I want to step aside as much as possible and have you talk to each other about what needs to be discussed. So go right. ahead, Selena. Avi, Avi said, like, you know, we are all feeling um, this tension. Uh, Hussein talked about, you know, one group against another. And I think if we're not approaching some of these issues with empathetic courage, meaning we are listening to each other, we are understanding the truth, and we're able to take the courage to engage in activism, to engage in advocacy that is required, we'll be talking about this for 10, for 10 15, 20 years after. You know, when Tina Fontaine uh, was found missing and murdered, I swore I will never forget her because she was missing and murdered at 15. She was the same age as my daughter. You know, Joyce Echewan, dying in a hospital bed because while we're hearing the recordings of racist remarks being said to her. You know, how are we so shocked when we see um, that the, the Afzal family is gunned down or that there is a, a shooting at a Quebec mosque or to find 215 children? We shouldn't be shocked because these the, the microaggressions that happened to Joyce Echewan, the, the racist and discriminatory things that we hear on a daily basis that we just turn a blind eye to have macro consequences. And if we do not have the empathetic courage to step in to be each other's keeper, then we are going to continue to have these conversations. And we also have to hold each other to account. After Colton Bushi, uh, the verdict of his murder came down and the prime minister said that he was gonna implement a rights framework for indigenous people and that didn't happen. Canadians, all Canadians should have voiced concern about that. And, and when we do not have the courage to do so, things slip through the cracks and we continue to see escalating violence, escalating hatred, escalating, um, tearing apart of our very delicate fab fabric of this country and our democracy. If I could add, this is Hussein. Um, I, I, actually, I think that there's three pronged effort that we need to all engage in and, and not one that's more important than the other, but there's things that A, that the government can do. And we can talk about some of the government things uh, that, that can be done. The second is things that community can do, communities across Canada. And the third is what every individual Canadian can do. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll start with, uh, with um, the, the second two, and then we can go back to the government for a second. You know, when I think about my community, the Muslim community, what can we do? Well, one of the things that we can do is we can ensure that there's zero tolerance for any type of, of discrimination or hatred for any other group. We got to police that ourselves and, and every community has got to police that themselves, that if you're in your gatherings with your communities, you got to make sure that there's there's no anti-Indigenous or anti-Black or anti-Semitic uh, language or if in other community, Islamophobic language. So we have to do that. And what can Canadians do? Look, we need to get to know one another. We need to get to see one another as as humans and as as equal. And so the next time there's an open house at a Sikh Gurdwara or a Hindu temple or a Muslim mosque or a Jewish synagogue, uh, please attend it. Learn, hear about others. Next time there's an open house at a cultural community center, whether it's the Filipino 
um, or, or the African-Canadian uh, cultural centers attended. Next time there's an open house at a friendship center in the indigenous community. These are the things that we need to do so that we can get to know one another. And what happens is it's so hard to disenfranchise. It's so hard to dehumanize another person when you get to know them. And you realize they care about their children just like we care about our children. They care about the roof over their head just like we care about the roof. They put their pants on one leg at a time just like we do. And, and I find that that needs to happen. As for the government, with the government, we need to institutionalize the fight against hate. We need to ensure that it's not predicated on a particular politician or a political party in power. We need to put some institutions in place that fight against hate. And, you know, by that, I can mean like our curriculum. For example, I'm very, very critical of the fact that in Ontario, the Catholic school board is funded and, and no other religious community school board is funded. However, at least the Catholics have a course on world cultures and world religion. You know, that this idea of learning about other people, at least they have it. The public school system doesn't have it. So that's just some of the examples. We need to toughen our laws on online platforms that post hateful white supremacy propaganda. We need, we need to you know, sharpen our teeth about stuff like that. So I don't want to hog the mic, but those are sort of the three steps, things that the government can do, things that communities can do, and things that every single Canadian can do. Look, I, I agree with uh, Hussein uh, tremendously. I mean, I, we should talk later, but, <laughs> um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that we can do. Um, I've spent, you know, most of my career trying to build bridges um, with as many faith groups and, you know, groups as, as, as possible and, um, you know, educating them about uh, both the Jewish community, but also learning um, about their community. And I think that that is exactly the way to go forward, because, you know, when you know somebody, when you break bread with them, when you even travel with them, I've traveled, I've taken lots of people with me uh, on various uh, trips, um, uh, you know, to Auschwitz to show them the consequence of hatred and the universality of hatred. This is what it could lead to. It could actually lead to a genocide. And and, um, you know, and, and the you know, the what I've gotten back is is 20 fold. I mean, it's it's unbelievable in terms of that respect. I have to say, I, I don't hold a lot. I don't give a lot of weight to government. Um, I think this is civil society. I think this is people to people. I think that we can accomplish so, so much more when it's people to people and we learn about each other, we respect one another, and we come out with plans on how it is to advance, um, you know, freedom and peace and, and harmony and inclusivity in our communities. Um, and that's um, just comes from years of, of experience in this in this particular area. Email just arrived from Barry. Thank you for another great show. The more I hear from Selena Caesar Chavan, the more I like. She's terrific. This is a very important program that we're airing. It's very important because we're hearing and we're discussing and we're, I think we're getting some great discussion points, really significantly important discussion points that we all need to get involved in. Um, Calvin, Helene, would you pick up please for us and, and, and share your perspective of what we've talked about so far, please? Sure, thank you. Um, I think in thinking about, um, about racism, uh, it's it's uh, we would do well to bear in mind um, the American poet laureate Angela Mayo's comment that 
uh, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And uh, that's a very important idea for for people to try to put themselves in the shoes of the, of, uh, the people that are being subjected to racism. I think there's a really important issue in, in uh, Australia recently. They, uh, one of the universities did a study and they found that there was a, um, 70% of the population had an unconscious bias towards uh, the Aborigines of Australia who in their history were treated just horrendously. And I, I think it, it needs to be recognized that in cultures and in families and in countries, um, there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of racist ideas that just come down to us from our, either our families or the cultures, and they're very racist and they hurt people when you, um, when you uh, verbalize them. And, um, and I know like a lot of people in mainstream society feel a bit confused about all of this because they, they're thinking, well, you know, that was my ancestors or what can I do about it? But, but those views are still in, uh, in uh, cultures and societies. And uh, there is no um, statute of limitations on morality. It's, it's incumbent upon us to figure out and uh, and acquire the awareness and knowledge to deal with them. And I'll give you an example. In the U.S., they celebrate Columbus Day, and Indigenous people objected to it. Well, and the response was, "Well, I mean, what's the big deal?" Well, the big deal to Indigenous people is Columbus, first of all, um, enslaved, uh, murdered about five million Indigenous people introduced a disease that wiped out 95% of our population. So if it uh, it's like proposing to Jewish people, let's have Hitler Day, you know, yay, that, that makes me feel just great. And they're not to blame for it, for you, you shouldn't be responsible for the sins of your ancestors, but you should be responsible for the attitudes you take now. And um, I think it's really important to um, understand that and for people to think about it because I think it's really an, an individual thing that uh, that we have to do something about ourselves. May um, I ask may I ask this question? We have about three minutes left here. Do you find that most people, most people you come across, regardless of who they are, where they're from, what they what you preconceived notions we all may have when we meet someone. Do you know, do you find that most people are people of goodwill? Yeah, no? I, I think most people don't intend, they don't, they don't think what they're saying is, um, is racist and, um, or, or could hurt you. Um, you know, like people refer to indigenous people as redskins. Well, that, that word came from uh, a bounty on, on indigenous people in one of the U.S. states where I think they received about $200 for an Indian scalp. The notion of um, Indian givers comes from the, uh, the uh, West Coast or East Coast uh, um, settlers' misunderstanding that 
when they were given something by indigenous people from those tribes there, it was the, a trade was expected. Uh, and, um, and so now that idea that indigenous people are uh, dishonorable, untrustworthy, is casually put into uh, schoolyards and stuff where, where, you know, where kids call, call the native kids Indian givers and so on. And it's a, first of all, it's wrong. And it comes from just one tribe, and it comes from a misunderstanding of the settlers. And um, so, when you you're basically insulting, um, you know, you're you're insulting everyone's ancestors, and it's insulting to be uh, said that you're a dishonorable cheat. Um, so I I think there's something that can be done, and uh, and I I think we just need to. Uh, examine a lot of the ideas uh, in society. And, and part of the problem is that uh, Indigenous history has been told mostly by Europeans. So this is where a lot of these ideas come from. <laughs> and uh, the Europeans that came here were interested in gold, God, and glory. They weren't interested in the people. And, Calvin, I, 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 so, only ha- I only have two minutes here, so I'd like to just ask that question to everyone else on the panel. Uh, do you find, because we, I hope we can find uh, among ourselves, as uh, all of us as Canadians, that there is a, a general, a real genuine interest in moving forward positively. So, Selena, do you find that most people are people of goodwill if you, if you let them get to it? For sure, for sure. But let me tell you the pro- the problem with goodwill by itself. Goodwill, good intentions, your heart in the right place, prayers and thoughts are not actions that could help change the way our society gets towards equity. We heard about breaking bread together. That's an act. You have to do something in order to change the landscape. The good intention and the goodwill, yes, it's a start, but it's not what's going to eventually change our society for the better. We need better actions-oriented change. Avi? Yeah, look, I mean, I think people are of goodwill. Uh, the problem, and, you know, I have to, you know, step out a little bit here and say and say that the problem is that our society is very polarized. People are very entrenched in their positions, and they may think they be, they, they're acting in goodwill or that they're, you know, human rights oriented, when in fact they may, their actions may be offending someone else. And, and um, you know, we, I've seen that uh, play over and over where we just can't change the narrative because that narrative is just so strong, even though, you know, in my case, the Jewish community feels like it's victimized. And so I, I'm very concerned about that polarization and entrenchment, and, and, and we need to rethink that kind of approach. Okay, I'm just watching the clock here now. Yeah. Hussein, final thoughts to you. Yeah, well, look, my community is mourning the death of four family members by white supremacists. supremacists. So, yeah, people are of goodwill, but we need white people to be allies in this. People are killing in your name. So I agree with Selena. Action is necessary, not just goodwill. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.